If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Better Nation, it's time for a new episode of Better with Dr. Erica, and you know who this is, your host, Dr. Erica. It's back to school season, and the world of education keeps getting more and more complicated. On this episode, my guest, Wendy Tilford, will help demystify the world of education. For nearly two decades, she has dedicated her life to helping families and students achieve academic success. As an advisor, speaker, and franchise owner of a Huntington Learning Center, Wendy is one of the most highly sought after consultants and college counselors in Texas. Now the questions this episode will answer are, what are major challenges in the education system? How do you advocate for your child no matter what their needs are? What are some key things that parents and young people need to know about getting into college? Now, whether you are a parent or not, there's something in this episode for you. We also discussed some problem-solving strategies, and I know that you are surrounded by people dealing with education and young people in your professional and personal life. So rather than me just tell you all about the episode, let's get to it. See you on the other side with the show. Better with Dr. Erica. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Better with Dr. Erica. And you know me. I'm your host, Dr. Erica. If this is your first time tuning in, well, welcome to the world of Better Nation. I'm your host, Dr. Erica, Harvard-trained, double-board certified psychiatrist and integrative lifestyle coach. I am rationally passionate about helping you be better, do better, and live better. And I do that through my book, Speaking my telepsych practice, and my podcast. And guess what? You are here for this podcast because I'm here for all of y'all out there that you show up for every single person but yourself. So I'm here to put you back in your life. And as we talk about, this is for educational purposes only. You know if I'm your doctor. And if I'm your doctor, this isn't where I'm actually talking to you at. So you know what you know what the deal is. And I think I told you the secret before is one of the ways I get quality time because quality time is my number one love language to book people that I haven't had a chance to chat with in a while onto the podcast. Hmm. So then I get to just chat with them here. So it works out wonderfully. And the person I have today is someone we've been trying to connect for way too long, like a whole long time. Years. Yes. And we finally are making it happen and you all are getting to witness it. Now, as I told you a couple of seasons ago, I decided I was not going to use all of my grade A ability to read because reading is fundamental for reading bios. Because you know what? 
My guest is Wendy Tilford, and the expert on Wendy Tilford is Wendy Tilford. You did not tune in here to hear me read a bio. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you one sentence, and then I'm going to pass it to her to take it away to tell you about herself. So the short version, and this was one of my favorite lines in her bio, is Wendy Richard Tilford has dedicated her life to helping families and students achieve academic success. And you know, academics have been in the news. Uh, the other day, my mother was watching the news. As you you all hear me talk about it, my mother watches the news all the time. Like my background noise is music. Her background noise is MS to the NBC. I am not getting any money for saying MSNBC. But if y'all, somebody from MSNBC hears this and you want to holler at your girl, <laughs> holler at your girl. Um, but Wendy, can you tell the people about yourself? Yeah. So Wendy Tilford, Wendy Rashad Tilford, I'm from Houston, Texas. Um, and I'm an educational expert and a college, private college counselor and also an author, new author rather, just came out with my book in April. Congratulations. Um, power to the Parents, Seven Insider Secrets to Unlock the Child's Educational Potential. So essentially what I do as an educational expert or consultant rather is help families navigate and guide them through the process. Um, and it could be from developing a holistic approach from kindergarten to 12th grade. It could be transitioning from public school to private school, which school is the best fit for my kid. Um, and most recently I found myself advocating for families with students with learning differences and really uh, making sure that the laws that they have in place are being applied. The student is getting the support that they need um, academically in the classroom environment, et cetera. So um, I do pretty much anything related to education and obviously private college counseling is helping families uh, determine uh, best college fit and, um, you know, cost effective scholarships, those sorts of things, and just making sure that our kids are on the right track as they transition out of high school. And recently um, dropped a book in April, like I said, Power to the Parent, uh, The Seven Insider Secrets um, to Unlock Your Child's Educational Potential is just an easy guide for families. Um, often my families want to call and ask a lot of questions. And I'm saying, well, this book will be your guide. Take it with you. All the questions are there. All your follow-up uh, questions are there. And if this doesn't help you, then you can give me a call. But I'm pretty sure that this is all what you're going to need to have those teacher meetings, advocate for your students, et cetera. So I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. And I had to laugh. I looked at the book cover because when you said power to the parents, all I could think of was power to the people. Uh, but <laughs> but there is not someone with a fist. <laughs> On the cover of your book, <laughs> and you talked about your mom with the um, with the 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 radio station. For her. My dad is the same thing, and, it's just, and the news just repeats itself. So I, I don't know what what is he missing exactly, um, because it's just a cycle. But yeah, he will uh, look at it all day and all night. Yes, and I'll be sitting there like I can't. Yeah, I'm like if I hear about the same news story one more time after I've heard about it five time. times. Yeah, um, but I can't complain because you know I have my own habits, so yeah. I just have to roll. I have to roll with hers. And my dad's a dialysis patient, so I'm glad to have him here and to be able to listen to his news, and I can listen to him with him. But yeah, it's a thing. Well, I, I am glad he is here. Yeah. So, how did you end up developing this passion for education? 
You know, my career started in political. Um, so I was always involved with the community and policies, local politics, and just the inconsistent of the process and how, how I saw how families were overwhelmed with the process. And me simplifying uh, this process for them, it just became a passion in helping them navigate through, um, you know, through the educational system. So I found that a lot of families found themselves on a hamster wheel, you know, going in circles, looking for solutions, but the solutions not meeting the needs of the student. Um, so the students were frustrated. The parents were frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. And at the end of the day, it's not the end goal where families wanted to be. So I found myself passionate just being able to help them navigate through the system, um, which is how we got the book is, you know, so they'll have a tool of their own so they can advocate. So yeah, it's just a, just to help parents navigate through a system that's very complex is how that passion grew from that, starting in politics, of course. Well, I can only imagine, because I remember my brief stint on the Hill working with health policy, I'd assume education's the same way, that there's so much of a need, but it seems like there's so much confusion and different opinions of how to get people access to something that feels like should be a regular human right. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is everyone thinks education is a, it should be a cookie cutter approach, and it's not. Everybody learns differently. Everybody needs different things. And I think if we could just stop for a second and use common sense in the process, I think we can find a lot more solutions a lot quicker versus creating all these new ideas over here and this idea over here and this idea over there without including the uh, stakeholders that's actually involved with it every day, such as the teachers, the administrators, the students, and asking them, what do you need? Mm -hmm. What do you want? How can we support you? And I think if we involve the right stakeholders and engage them in the process, I think we can get a solution pretty quickly um, versus on that hamster wheel. And, and it just frustrates the parents because they're trying to keep up with the new curriculum or the new thing um, and just trying to support their students the best way they can. So, so doing this work, it sounds like it's it has to be purpose or mission driven because I'm not sure why somebody would do this kind of work. <laughs> well, it's it, it's not it's not easy work. It's it's uh, it's, it's definitely seems seems like it's a big lift. So I don't really see people doing it just because, you know, I haven't really heard education being the new sexy. Yeah. I mean, it um, started where uh, I purchased a tutoring center, Huntington Learning Center, in Houston, two of centers in Houston and expanded into California. And what I saw that Huntington is a very unique tool and it's an effective tool and it assess students to see where they are academically. And then we develop individualized programs to um, support them. But what I found with Huntington was I wasn't meeting the holistic of the student. I was just only meeting K through 12 services. So that's when college admissions came aboard. And then that's when we added the book to provide families with the tool. But I mean, it, education problem solving to me is mission. It's the, it's, I'm able to kind of see what the problem is and kind of come up with a solution pretty quickly. So I definitely believe that it's uh, it's passion and it's a mission mm -hmm. work for me um, because it comes it, it's a it's definitely a natural trait for me overall. How does it feel on the day to day to do this kind of work? Frustrating um, because it's not as difficult as uh, it's been placed out. Like I said, if we involve the key the uh, the specific key holders or the, the teachers, the administrators and the students themselves, and we get them involved in the process, 
we could definitely get to a solution a lot quicker. We wouldn't be in a lot of the the situations that we're, we're in. Um, I'm learning that students, they actually do want to learn. They actually do okay. want to be engaged in the process. It's just that we come up with ideas. And I say we, I'm just speaking about the educational system in itself. We come up with uh, processes and curriculums and that sort of thing. And we don't engage them on what, what would they like to see. They want to learn. Um, they find, I found students would say they found themselves not really seeing the purpose of why they're there. Um, okay. And really saying, okay, I'm just going to school because mom told me to go. Uh, I'm making good grades because mom told me to go. So when I start to engage my students, they kind of look at me like, you ask me a question, what do you want me to say? And I said, well, I want you to tell me, what do you feel? What do you think? Okay. And then they start to really um, open up and share with me their feelings overall. And it's just, they feel like they're being told so much, majority of the kids, not all, they're being told so much listening to them and hearing them and engaging in conversation. Now, whether I agree or disagree, the fact of the matter is I asked their opinion and not just asked their opinion, but showed them how to articulate opinion, stand on the opinion and advocate what it is that they um, need. So I was, I'm able to provide them with those tools that they need so they can be independent and think for themselves. But when they do, oh my God, it's a total different kid in a short period of time. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like there's, there's a definitely, a piece of this is being able to truly hear someone's mm -hmm. needs mm -hmm. because it seems like it's probably easier to meet the needs and have them engage in the process if you actually know where they're coming from or ask because there are probably a lot of times people don't ask. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and they come up with these trends of the 21st century student, whatever that is. I don't, I don't know what that is because everybody has a different definition for it. But I mean, the bottom line is, getting there's there was a principle here in Houston that we just vibed and we just had the same philosophy and she created a council at her school of students of different grades of middle school so sixth seventh and eighth graders she had at the table mm -hmm. and it would be issues and one of the issues at the school was about dress code so what they did was a poll at the school this is a real popular school in the Houston area um, and they did a poll, they got the feedback from, from the, the vote of the students and they, she allowed this council to sit around and talk about, okay, based on what the student body has said and what you guys feel like, well, how do you move forward? Now they couldn't just come up with anything. There were guidelines and stipulations that they have to comply to, but the movement that these kids got to be involved in and see change, it just, it just brings out a different whole personality overall. So we need more people like that, that take the time and the patience. Um, and being open mind enough to allow these particular kids, well, allow these kids to be involved in the process because it's critical. If you don't involve them, it's not going to be a good look long term. So I know you mentioned when I asked you, how does it feel to do this kind of work? And you mentioned frustrated or mm -hmm. frustration. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that frustration? Um, I just advocate for the kids. Uh, I, I don't uh, lash back at the, the administrators or the teachers because they're doing their job based on the training that that's available to them. And most of the time I see the two things, the, the top two things is what I see has been the disconnect is training and curriculum. Uh, you know, the training is not there on a continuous basis. So the teachers just don't know they're doing the best that they can with what they have. Um, so I'm not upset with them. I am. I, I come in and say, how can I help and support? Because at the end of the day, we've got to get Johnny or Sally where she where they need to be, and what we what we have right now is not working. So we've got to change that. Um, while this is what you say that you're doing or what you have, 
we're going to have to modify some things around. So what I try to do is come in as the solution driven person as to here are the things that we can do with the resources that you have that I know will support the student because I've worked with them. And I'm telling you, this is how we're going to get to, to, to the, this is how we're going to meet our goal. Otherwise, if we don't meet our goal, then there's no point of us to keep meeting. Right. And how do you practically deal with that frustration? Because I, I would imagine there's a gap between when the frustration starts and when a solution can be either put together or actually executed. How do you deal with that so you don't end up totally stressed out and overwhelmed? Yeah. So I'm a little quirky with this. You talk about mission. I typically can come up with a solution while we're talking. Um, so if I'm in a, a ARD meeting as, as example, which is a 504 or IEP where, um, uh, it's being modified, um, I will listen what they've done, but my biggest in the whole discussion is what you've been doing and what is our end goal. Those are the two things that I want to know. And then when we meet back up again, I want to know, have we implemented those things and what were the results of that? And if those don't work, we're going to modify it and give, give some more things, but as a, as a uh, give some more recommendations. But as an example, I was in a, I mean, I, I guess there's no frustration rather when I'm in a meeting, it's more so of listening to everyone, all the experts and l- listen to what they're saying and coming up with solutions. So as an example, one situation I was in with a student who has, he's autistic and they kept saying that the problem with him, because he's in a classroom now versus one-on-one with me in his tutoring session. So he's in a classroom with 23 kids. So his program or his, his schooling is not as individualized as it would be okay. with me. So it's going to be a different environment, different approach. So often I would hear them say, you know, when he comes in class that um, we find ourselves revisiting the old stuff over and again, it takes him it takes him a while to get up to speed. And I'm saying to myself, well, that doesn't happen when he's with me. So why would it be happen- Why would it happen at school? So that's when I was able to say, okay, so the environment is different, right? So the approach, the teacher's uh, teaching style is different. So there's a disconnect there. So I need to provide that teacher with some type of uh, tips, with some type of tips and strategies. But the short of it was uh, my solution while listening to all that was, I know that he likes certain things. So what I try to do with students with learning differences is connect the the skill to something that they enjoy. If I can connect it to something that they enjoy or it can recall quickly, they don't spend as much time trying to dig into those short-term memory because they don't have short-term memory very well. They forget stuff very quickly. Mm -hmm. So what I have to do is create strategies to say, okay, we have to associate algebra or whatever polynomials with karate, because that's what we know that they understand the karate moves. So we have to connect it with something that they enjoy so they can pick it up very quickly. And then we can move on to the next skill so we can continue to build the block. Otherwise we stay stuck at that same skill, same skill, same skill, never move to the next block. I I, I was on the phone listening saying, that's what we have to do with this kid. So before I came and recommended that, that recommendation to the teachers, I tried it at my center first and it worked perfectly. Um, this is the same student that scored a nine on the ACT and now he's scoring a 24 when parents thought that he wouldn't even go to college. I was like, he has to go to college. He will go to college. And I, we did that. We did that strategy with him by just connecting things that he connects to and, and well, connecting his academics with the things that he enjoys the most to help him recall the information a lot quicker. Got it. And for you all out there, if you aren't familiar with an IEP, an IEP is an individualized education plan. Um, yes. yeah, I guess we can use my, my child psychiatrist hat. 
Sorry about that. I'm using this abbreviation that I think everybody knows, but yeah, IEP is it. And, and then the 504 is state statute um, for accommodations, time, I, mm -hmm. you know, be able to use a calculator, um, uh, work in a quiet place. IEP is where we do the modifications of changing things up because we have discovered that they're not working. No worries. Well, I, that's why I'm here. I'm here to add the little the little sauce <laughs> for for a little bit of sauce. But one of the things I think that's great about people that have the opportunity to work with someone like you is the thing I've seen with work is a lot of times the educational system isn't as easy to navigate. Mm -hmm. And especially since in a lot of the kids I work with, they're at schools where there are quite a few kids in the classes. Mm -hmm. There may not be enough counseling staff. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just a lot going on. Right. And people aren't always able to give that individual attention. Or it may just be a situation where the that critical number of disruptive kids in one classroom is enough mm -hmm. that everybody is Everybody's disruptive, not necessarily having disruptive behavior, but is disrupt their learning is disruptive. Right. And um, I wish everyone had access to someone like you because <laughs> you don't know how many letters I'm writing. This kid needs some emotional support, mm -hmm. you know, around things that feel like they're logical, but sometimes I feel like connecting and actually coming up with the interventions is one thing. The wow. second is people actually. Engaging. doing them because there are plenty of times I'm sure you've seen it when people have IEPs or 504s, you have all these conversations and then you find out their aid's not there or this isn't being done or the kid's just being sent out of class or, mm -hmm. you know, the amount of forms I have to do for homebound right now. And and homebound for those out there, um, man, there's a little bit of a technical difference between a kid that's virtual schooling and homebound. So homebound mm -hmm. is typically when someone has some medical condition, emotional or physical, that causes them not to be able to attend school. Mm -hmm. And they actually arrange for them to have some one-on-one -on -one instruction, mm -hmm. which is a little bit different than you just hopping on a computer and doing whatever or somebody sending work home. But it, it's just mm -hmm. interesting because, you know, I, I feel like if everyone had people to really strongly advocate for them along with helping to discover additional solutions to advocate with right. that a lot of my kids would be doing a lot better. And that's a lot what I do. I mean, if you said that we're going to accommodate this, are we doing it? And if so, what are the results behind it? And we should see that in the grades. And if we don't see that in the grades, something's going on. And we do get oftentimes when we sit in the IEPs or the AUG meetings, rather, it's we don't have the resources here to do that. While it states that they should have it, we don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. Well, no one never told mom that they didn't have the resources. So mom and dad are thinking they're getting the resources. And most students uh, are not going to say, hey, I'm supposed to get additional time. Hey, I'm mm -hmm. supposed to use a calculator. Hey, I'm supposed to test in a quiet place. They're not going to advocate for themselves at all. Um, so... Um, it, it could be frustrating to the families and as well to the student. Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for What's Up with Dr. Erica. Now, I've shared before that one of the things I typically do to get my day started is I play an audiobook. So, right now, the audiobook I'm listening to is Speak by Tunde from Peloton. And there are two things I've seen lately that just really resonated with this so I'm listening and we're in the part where she's talking about 
the Speak Up riot that she did after George Floyd was murdered. But also recently I was watching Swagger and watching an episode that happened during the pandemic where the kids were racially profiled by police. And what's on my mind is the fact that there's so much going on. It's hard to have the capacity to keep hold of all of the madness that seems to be going on. But it has impacted everyone so deeply. I see it in my work. I see it in my speaking. Is that we just can't forget all of these moments in time that were difficult, that we were challenged to face racial injustice, that we were challenged to face a pandemic, we were challenged to face the ineptitude at times of the public health system, and that there were times where government unfortunately didn't work quite correctly, and that we've had insurrections. There have been so many things that happened, but the solution isn't to forget about them all and I just want to remind you that and there are ways to get inspired from media and other things to have strategies to make life better so I just wanted to share what's been on my mind and I'll see you on the other side with more podcasts more better with Dr. Erica better with Dr. Erica so working with these young people that are in you know, traditional school, like elementary school, middle school, and high school, along with some that are, you know, looking to try to get into college and do the college admissions process. Mm -hmm. What are a handful of things that are some of those things you should know that most people don't know? So the first thing I would say is start early. And starting early does not mean you should take your kids to Harvard or take them to college at kindergarten, second grade. I'm not saying that. The discussion Mm -hmm. should definitely be had. We're taking our kids to baseball, football games, and that sort of thing. So you want to start the discussion early for sure. Um, And then obviously, as you get into middle school, you need to start visiting schools and seeing schools and, 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 and seeing what that's like and start talking about that. Um, elementary, I would say you should be observing your child more and try to understand their traits and what best ways to um, support them. Number two, I would say develop a roadmap, leave room for change, an academic roadmap, uh, meaning that what are the things, the benchmarks that you want to see them accomplish, right? So I obviously want to master phonetics in younger days, addition, subtractions, those sorts of things. Um, so you want to make sure that you're looking at, um, that development roadmap of the things that you want to see them accomplish throughout uh, um, elementary. And then transitioning points is is key too. So as your student transitions from elementary school to middle school into high school, you want to look at that sixth, ninth, sixth, uh, well, I'm sorry, fifth, sixth, transition from fifth to sixth. I can't get it today. Eight, nine, and uh, and then and beyond, right? Those are the two transitional points that you want to look at and just kind of making sure that those transitions are smooth. You know, oftentimes families feel, oh, they're just making a transition. They have to get uh, adjusted. Yes, there is a small portion of adjustment there, but you can prepare for those things. You can make sure academically they're strong. There's no gaps. Um, they're strong in reading, writing, math, et cetera. So as they make this transition, they have the skills what they need. Um, I would also, number three would be to administer a comprehensive academic evaluation. Just like we go get a physical, we go get our teeth clean, um, we get all of these different physicals once a year, a comprehensive academic evaluation, what that does is it tells you where your child is academically. 
Not saying the school is bad, not saying the private school has done something wrong, not saying the public school has done something wrong. You just want to make sure that everything that your child has learned for the year, they've mastered those levels of uh, skills that they need to know. Why is that? Because learning is a building block. If they didn't do well in math in fourth grade, they're probably going to struggle in fifth grade because it's new material. We want to make sure that we can just go back and adjust that. It's not that anything is wrong with the child. They're incapable of doing it. I always say the issue is a disconnect, right, with the learning styles. My child learns one way, the teacher teaches another way. So if the teacher teaches a different way than the way that my child learns, the, the gap is going to start because that's, that child is not receiving that information. So that's what the comprehensive academic evaluation will allow you to see. Even if the grades are straight A's and B's, I still do a comprehensive academic evaluation for my kids every year to make sure what they learned, where are they, and so forth. Um, and then I would create balance in the summer. That's the thing I think a lot of families forget about. When it's break, everything's over. They don't want to drive around for extracurricular. It's summertime. We want to just have fun. I think summer needs to be uh, some fun, but also some academics because you want to prepare for that transition back in. And a lot of times I see parents get frustrated. They don't get up. They're not organized. Well, you could, I would highly recommend that you, you do something over the summertime just to kind of keep that routine going on. Because, I mean, if you're working out, right, you're not going to just work out one month. In the summertime, even though you're going to be traveling, you may not work out every day, but you're going to work out some days. So it's the same kind of, same concept. You want to create some balance there. So... That's that's a whole mouthful. That's a whole lot. <laughs> so I want to circle a little bit around to, you know, we, we've talked about kind of Wendy Tilford running business, mm -hmm. making things happen. I want to have a moment about Wendy Tilford, the human. The human. The human. <laughs> so, so, and how did, you know, because it's like in my mind, I think you're actually a mom. How many children do you have out here for the audience? I have two. I have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. How do you feel like working in this vast world of education yeah. has impacted you as Wendy the mom? You know, um, I would say that um, I kind of give my kids room to explore uh, a bit. Um, and I try to dictate to them less as much as I can, but observe them more. Um, I kind of know their, their natural abilities now, because mm -hmm. I've just kind of watched them and just kind of see how they've honed over time. Um, but I, I just kind of support them in whatever it is and not, you know, put them in things that they don't enjoy doing because that's just going to develop some type of frustration, uh, between them. But I mean, I try to, I try to be laxy daisy. Mm -hmm. um, because I know I can fix it at any time. That's probably not uh -huh. a good thing. But um, yeah, I try to be like today's. But most of the things that I encourage my families to do, I do the same thing. Like the summertime, my kids are doing, I think, three or four weeks of tutoring for 15 hours uh, a week. So they're getting, what, 60, roughly 60 hours of instructions over the summertime. So they're, we're getting some balance and they're going to the park and they're doing some things. So I do try to make sure that I incorporate some balance there uh, with some structure. But you know, I try to be a lay a laid back mom. We love to tour museums. That sort of thing is big for us. Mm -hmm. Parks, um, cooking. Uh, I love to cook with the kids. We don't. We do spend some time reading and drawing and arts and that sort of thing. But I, I try to incorporate what it is that I do, but just not to, 
you know, not, not, not as hardcore. I try to relax a little bit as mom. Got it. And what are some strategies that you use to balance making sure that there's some time for you as, as, as Wendy, the independent human being that is not simply a mom and a kick butt business person? What are some strategies that you do to make space for yourself so that you're taking care of you? Um, sabbaticals. Um, I work Monday through Thursday. Fridays, I try to take off to, you know, do something that I want to do, whether it's sitting still, yoga, uh, Pilates, walk in the park. But I do, um, those are more of my short-term, but my long-term things that I do is I, I do do a sabbatical, uh, try to do one once a quarter, where I just kind of go away um, and just sit. And, you know, I did one recently in Austin. You couldn't use your phone on the, you know, okay. on the property. Everything was holistic. And it was just, it was, you can hear right? And you can't hear when you're, when you're so busy. So sabbaticals are very, very needed for me and very, very helpful. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, how long do you typically take your sabbaticals for? You know, I would love to take a sabbatical for 30 days. Uh, but typically a week is, is probably all that I could, you know, muster in three to, you know, three to five days is probably the, the most that I can, I can get in with the kids. And how do you generally feel after you've done your sabbatical? Oh gosh, I feel rejuved. I feel focused. Um, I feel clear headed for sure. Um, one of the, the, the one that I recently did, uh, taught me a breathing exercise of how to kind of control your emotions and that sort of thing. So, um, I, I just feel refreshed and just, uh, more focused on the now, which is something okay. that I'm, I've been focused, trying to focus on more this year. And I'm really proud about, you know, how I've been able to apply it each day. Well, that's great because I, I find that present moment awareness is one of those things. Like it's one of those secret sauces that does a lot of things, uh-huh. especially in a time where it just seems like as a society, people are strapped with so much anxiety, worry, and fear. Yeah. That one of the biggest ways to start combating that is present moment awareness where you're not so caught up with either what's coming up in the future uh-huh. or perseverative about what's already happened in the past that you can actually be in the present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, I'm a big fan of breathing exercises. Yeah. It, I mean, it changes your whole blood flow. It's like you, you're lightheaded or something, right? Cause you're breathing in and breathing out. It's so simple, but I mean, it literally makes me feel so lightheaded and refreshed and, you know, back centered in some kind of way, but it works. And there are just so many different kinds. So mm-hmm. it, to me, it's it's amazing. It's like, oh, I thought this one was great, but oh my gosh, this one is great. Yeah. And then then I catch a couple that I still haven't, you know, I still haven't been able to really get into like chaotic breathing and I'm not, I don't, box breathing doesn't feel as good to me, even though I know some people that would swear by box breathing. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, But it's, I feel like it's something that just holds so much power. Yeah. But also it's so easily accessible. You can breathe anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I did a bowl um uh massage too where they was doing the bowl uh what is it called? Oh, like sound this whatever I can't think of what it's called, but it was the Was it a sound bowl or it was a sound bowl? It was a sound bowl, yeah. And they just kinda knocked it over where they felt the knots were and they were just trying to explain to me, you know, it, you kind of just did. Mm-hmm. 
the sound kind of did this and that. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. You don't even think about that energy. The energy is a real thing, you know? Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Better with Dr. Erica. As much as I want to hang on to you forever, ever, 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 <laughs> at some point I have to let you get back to the rest of your day. So <laughs> so this is a great time for us to transition over to the speed round. Are you ready? Yes. All right. So my first one is, what is the best compliment that you've ever received? That I'm a person of integrity and character, which is really important to me, right? Because I, you know, my dad always says, do the right thing even when no one's looking. So I try to live my life by that and not always do the right thing when everyone is looking at you. It's when it's just me and God um, doing the right thing. So integrity and character. I am here for that. And my next one is what is one piece of advice that you'd like to tell your younger self? Oh, live in a now, be present. As long as I can remember, I always was looking toward the future, what was next and that sort of thing, but live in the now. Now is more important than what's going to happen in the future. I hear you. And I think it's it's even, I, I hate to admit this, that I'm actually considered in midlife. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I, I feel so youthful, but. Well, you look great, girl. You look great. Oh, thank you. You should see me when I'm totally put together. But um, <laughs> and you're not even totally put together. You look great. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I turned. Um, I'm turning fifty this year, and you know, Yay. I think thank you. There's this. You start feeling this urgency uh-huh. that it's time to finally make things happen. Like you know, the rest was a dress rehearsal. But really? I, I don't feel like it's a frantic urgency, but it's a, it, to me, it makes you kind of get in that space of why not now and why not you? Like there's, there's wow. not 10 or 15 years to try to make everything perfect and pretty and get the perfect circumstances for everything. That's one of my goals and dreams. Wow. You just don't know. And it's like, you, you know, we've all been through the pandemic and, you know, I'm at an age now where, you know, you, you hearing about funerals, people your age dying, you know, right. a lot of us are, we've had good friends start passing is that you realize that all of this time you thought you had, you know, I think there's a piece of me that I probably have some time. My family tends to, my grandmother's 97. She turns 98. Oh, wow. wow. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of longevity, especially in the women, but mm-hmm. just feeling like there's not 10 or 15 years to, to daydream mm-hmm. <laughs> before doing something. But I love the power of being present mm-hmm. because to make the most of the now, which can get you to where your goals you and dreams be. are, you actually have to be present. Correct. Yeah. And that creates a dramatic amount of mental space. Yes. It, and it to- helps you control your emotions better. Mm-hmm. Right. 
because that connects with your anxiety because you're now because you're not feeling like you're in a hurry because I find sometimes in the past when I would yeah. snap at people or be impatient it's because I'm like move out of the way I'm trying to get somewhere and I'm like but wait yeah. a minute it's a whole bunch of stuff going on right here right now that I'm missing out on so yeah shoot being in a hurry that was one of the coping strategies I had to learn about I live in Atlanta for all y'all yeah. that don't know um, and Atlanta is notorious for janky traffic. We are notorious for it. And if you let yourself get out of sorts when either the traffic is bad or people are driving crazy, you will never be happy. Mm-hmm. And I, I made a, a decision that I will give empathy to people and assume that anyone driving on the roads is a tourist. <laughs> because here, honestly, in the city, half the people don't really live here. Just they like- say they live in Atlanta. They don't live in Atlanta. <laughs> Well, they, they haven't been in this city in forever. <laughs> so, you know, it's like if you, if you, and then it's like doing things like making sure there's plenty of time to get places. So I'm not rushing. Right, I right. actually get to the airport early. So then I'm not ready to throw my luggage at the person that's traveling with their family. That's not a, that's not a business traveler <laughs> that doesn't know what to do in TSA, you know, because it's like, you know, I, I try to put my, you know, my, my, myself in other people's place and there are some folks that they've saved up all year for this one trip right and they don't travel all the time and it's like it doesn't do any good if i get frustrated with you i'm not gonna feel better but they're going super slow they don't have all their stuff in line you travel like look two days ago this is your second this week (laughs) <laughs> you know, not necessarily knowing how little push bins work, yeah. uh, but, but, you know, I find that kind of planning to put space in things so that, so then I'm not rushing as much, even though right. today has been yeah. meeting after meeting, but yeah. you know, it's meeting after meeting in my house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, oh my gosh, I took us on a tangent. <laughs> I took us on a, on an entire total tangent, but we're going to come back. Yeah. So my yes. my last speed round question for you is, what is your superpower? You know, this was a tough question for me. I would say that I am really good at the ability to compartmentalize my task and my emotions. Um, this helps me prioritize my task, my day to day, and create balance uh, in my life, um, and also improves my focus so I can get the job done. So compartmentalize. Okay. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here for that. You get an award. That's the first time I've heard that one. (laughs) Not the first time I thought of it, but it's the first time that someone has answered that on the podcast. Look at you. That's a trait. That is a trait. You need to because it's like, okay, I'm not dealing with ballet right now because I have something I have to get done between Mm -hmm. this window. So I'm not going to deal with ballet right now. So you have to because otherwise you're going to be like overwhelmed with everything and I can't. So not happening. I am here for it. So um, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways for the people? You know, my final thoughts is, you know, my parents often they're rough on themselves and they're doing the best that they can. Right. Um, I would definitely tell them to get my book, Power to the Parent. Right. You can get it on Amazon or you can get it at my website, www.wendyartofer.com. But don't beat yourself up. Um, what I would say is breathe. Okay, use common sense in the process. What has worked, what has not worked. Um, Because I find my parents just jump, jump, jump. They're going to do the next thing. This is what Betsy's doing down the street. And this is what John's doing. We're going to do all of that. Don't do that. That's going to frustrate you and your students. And then that that draws, uh, you know, um, 
contiguous between the two. So I would say just breathe, take a break, look at what work, what has worked and what hasn't worked, and then move from there. I am here for it. And you already started now, y'all. It's going to be in the description, so you didn't have to just memorize all that stuff she said so quickly. But where can the people find you? Because it does sound like you don't mind being found. No, I don't mind being found. You can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook at Wendy R. Tilford. So that's W-E-N-D-Y-R like Robert Tilford, T-I-L-F-O-R-D. Or you can find me on my website at www.WendyRTilford.com. Super easy. Yes. Can't I miss am it. down. I know you can't <laughs> mess that up. You know, and, and the good thing is Wendy is Wendy's pretty easy to spell and yeah. Tilford is spelled phonetically. So yeah. <laughs> I I am 100% here for it. Yeah. I am here for it. So I'll start my final words with this. Number one, Better Nation, thanks for showing up for you. I appreciate that you showed up for myself and Wendy, but yeah. I more appreciate that you took time out to show up for you and you took time and trust me enough to have me up in your ears. So the first thing is thank you. The next is thank you, Wendy R. Tilford, for gracing myself and Better Nation with your presence and your wisdom. I'm sure there is something in here for everybody, even if you do not have any munchkins that you're taking care of on your own right now. <laughs> um, education is something that we're all invested in. And there's always space to learn different ways to move through life um, manage our profession and manage our personal life in a way that actually feels good and gets us some of the results or the impact that we want. My final words, I feel like I have so many to think. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to start from, you know, I keep telling you about this set of quote cards that I have. Big ups to Tarjay, even though they aren't paying me either. <laughs> The one this time says, celebrate any progress. Don't wait to get perfect. Anne McGee Cooper. And that one resonates with me. And also what this conversation is, is a lot of times what holds us back and can even get in the way of doing things for our children is looking for perfection all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, we were not created to be perfect. Mm -hmm. We can strive for our best, but... Perfection is so much weight. It's weight for you. It's weight for your friends and family. It's weight for your partners and weight for your kids and weight for your coworkers. And one of the things to me that will help you be better, do better, and live better is find, finding strategies and ways to make life feel lighter, not heavier. And the weight of perfection is so heavy. And we talked about present moment awareness and Sometimes the amount of mental capacity it takes to imagine or do all this stuff to try to get things to the perfect condition just doesn't help you. You end up stressed out, overwhelmed, annoyed with your kids because I think all of us have had this experience. I'm, I don't know if I told you about how at one point my household was myself, my mother, my father, and my grandmother. Nobody likes how anybody else folds laundry. So how many people do laundry in one house? Four. Um, ask me, do I fold stuff for my mother now? No. Is it not because I don't want to help? No. It's because no matter how I fold it, it's never going to be good enough. She's going to unfold it and do it again. <laughs> 
and she's probably listening and she knows I speak the truth. You know, no matter how I drive, there's some, she makes comments about me taking things on two wheels when I don't even drive fast. My friends even know it. That's why I never used to have to drive to the club because they said I don't drive fast enough. You know, <laughs> back in the day, you know, it's ladies free before nine. <laughs> it was critical. <laughs> we were on budgets. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want you to start taking moments to celebrate the small wins, to stop putting off everything until there's some big accomplishment. Because mm. number one, you end up frustrated waiting to get to it. Number two is it just feels so far. Yeah. And I just don't want things far for you. So celebrate every day. You woke up. Um, that is a win. Because there are plenty of people that are are not above ground. So that's what I got for you today. Thanks again for showing up. I encourage you to continue to show up for yourself. If you like what you heard, I need you to do me a couple of favors. Number one is follow or subscribe. That way you will get bonuses and it allows me to get even better content for you. The next thing is... Can you share? There's a little button on your podcast situation. Hit share. Share with anybody from your grocery store clerk to your Uber driver to your best friend to your mama's best friend to your auntie that makes the best collard greens to everybody's. Don't let this be the best kept secret. And the last thing is please give us a rating. That really also helps. But please, I'm going to do like the Uber driver. Please rate me five stars. I appreciate it. I'm sending you love and saying thank you. The last thing is take your left hand, put it on your right arm, take your right hand, put it in your left arm. Give yourself a huge squeeze unless you're driving. And even if you're driving a Tesla, I'm still not the fan of driving and your hands aren't on the wheel. I know people do it, but I'm still not the biggest fan. Maybe that's why I drive a 20-year-old car. But give yourself a big hug if you are in a safe place to do it. If not, give yourself one later because you deserve it. Until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now, don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our author shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.